Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. We're going to look at the book of Daniel and the prayer life of Daniel today. We're going to go to chapter 10. And um, if you will, please stand for the reading of God's Word. But then a hand touched me and roused me to my hands and knees. He said to me, Daniel, greatly beloved, pay attention to the words that I'm going to speak to you. Stand on your feet, for I have now been sent to you. So while he was speaking this word to me, I stood up trembling. He said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the, mes- may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Um, for all that I misspeak, O oh God, may you, may you uh, clarify it in our hearing. For all that I don't speak, may you add it in our understanding. Uh, may this be your word today, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We are looking at the life of Daniel from the book of Daniel to get some clues about prayer. Now, Daniel is a very interesting book because it's seen as a book of prophecy. And there is prophecy in the book of Daniel. Um, Give you a little backstory on Daniel. Daniel was a part of the exile from Jerusalem to uh, Babylonia. Now, the Babylonian policy was when they defeated a country, what they would do is they would take the religious leaders, the brightest, the best, and they would carry those people off into captivity, into slavery. Um, they basically leave the country intact, but leave it without leadership, assuming that there, without leadership there wouldn't be any rise and revolt and reaction to their defeat. And that's basically the way they conquered the world. They were the world power at this particular time. So Daniel is basically a prisoner of war. But what we find out about Daniel in the early pages is a young man, his knowledge of philosophy and science begins to be noticed by the leaders. And he's also an interpreter of dreams. He is a problem solver. He... uh, uh, he has his own dreams that come to fruition. And so, slowly but surely, he becomes a counsel to the leaders in Babylonia. And jealousy arose. <laughs> Those who were Persian began to be jealous of this Daniel. And you want a, more details about the story, basically... They got King Nebuchadnezzar to pass a law. And so Daniel's faith was put in question. There were laws against him praying. And so Daniel, instead of hiding his prayers, opened his windows and his doors to show the people that he was not afraid of the consequences that might come his way. Most notable and most memorable of the Daniel story is Daniel in the lion's den. Right? We all have been told that story over and over again. It was the result of him breaking that law to pray 
to his God, Yahweh. And um, so he's thrown into the lion's den, and as we know from the story, he survives the lion's den. The lions are like kittens. And because of what happens in the lion's den, the nation is converted. Okay? And Daniel himself begins his rise to be what basically was a prime minister. Although they weren't going to call a once prisoner of war a prime minister. That's basically what he was. This passage that I read for you comes toward the end of his life. Daniel dies in exile. He never gets to see Jerusalem again. He never gets to see his dreams or his visions or his prophecies come to fruition. Um, But what, what it tells us about Daniel is that Daniel's prayers were not just for the moment. They were for the future. Daniel's prayer was not just for himself, but for the people. And, and Daniel was not worried about whether or not his bold visions and prayers would be completed in his lifetime. He wanted only what God wanted. And so he's praying and he gets frustrated because he doesn't feel like that God is is hearing him. And this particular part of the uh, of the passage there in chapter 10 right before the the ending prophecy is that an angel appears to him and the angel says do not be afraid. Uh, do you know in the Bible every time an angel appears they say do not be afraid. Um because that which is divine tends to stir within us fear for some reason or another. And, um, and it's basically a, a shift, what the angel wants Daniel to do, to shift from fear to awe, wonder, and joy. That's, that's inherent within the do not be afraid is, hey, notice what God is doing. Notice what God is doing. And so, the question that I would ask as we begin our examination of prayer this morning is that how is it that the prisoner of war, Daniel, becomes prime minister of a country that took him captive in the first place? How is it that a prisoner of war, Daniel, through his prayers on his knees, brought kings and a kingdom to its knees. How is it that a prisoner of war who came in exile as a slave was a part of converting that nation? Only God. Only God. Now, we can point to Daniel... And Daniel's faith, and certainly it was Daniel's faith and his ability to hear God and to respond to God and be faithful to God. But it was God. It was God that delivered him from the, from the lion's den. It was God that placed upon his heart the, the vision of the, the end times that we see in chapter 11 and 12. There he has a vision of the return of the Israelites to Jerusalem. And also the coming of Jesus. And then the second coming of Jesus and the kingdom of God. 
Daniel has a vision that, that is not just for the next generation. It is for all generations. And it's like this. That there is a spiritual war that is existence in our world right now. Always has been and will be until the kingdom of God comes. We are in the in-between times. And the vision of Daniel is that we are on the winning side. That God will prevail. That God will have God's way in this spiritual battle. And there will be a day when Jesus will come again. And the righteousness of God and the kingdom of God will fully come upon this earth. The ascendance of Daniel defies political science. But what it really does is it defines the power of prayer. The power of prayer not just to pray for today's problems, but to look and to pray for that which is to come. For when when we invite God into the equation, anything is possible. And it doesn't matter whether it's a locker room, a boardroom, or a classroom. It doesn't matter if you are in law or medicine or music. It doesn't matter what you do. When we pray, we never know where we're going to go or what we're going to do or who we will meet. But we know that God is with us and God will be victorious. That is the heart and soul of prayer. Now, what does prayer do for us? Um, Praying like this instead of just praying for today, but praying... And not just praying to say thank you for what has been, but but praying for tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, next generation. to, To pray with thanksgiving because of what God is going to do. Forces us beyond ourselves. It doesn't just change circumstances, it changes us. It alters the way we see life so that we begin to see with spiritual eyes. It gives us peripheral vision. It corrects our nearsightedness. It enables us to see beyond our circumstances, beyond ourselves, beyond time. And we begin to see the good in life. Now, right now in our culture, it is really easy to see everything that is wrong. Am I right? I mean, we're just reminded every day we are bombarded with that which is negative. Well, (laughs) prayer does just the opposite. Prayer helps us to see that which is good and honorable and true. Prayer helps us to see beyond ourselves into what God is doing. Prayer changes our direction and it changes our vision. And it also does some very positive things for us physically. Did Did you know that? And now, and what I'm going to quote from are, are secular studies on prayer. Okay? These are not religious people that are trying to find out what's right with prayer. These are secular studies that we're trying to find out, that trying to make the point that prayer didn't make a difference. And this is what they found. They found that prayer lowers stress levels dramatically and prevents stress-related health problems. 
Praying does the exact opposite of stress. It lowers our heart rate, breathing, metabolism, and blood pressure while increasing our decision-making capacity and concentration. I want that. Second, it reduces blood pressure and boosts heart health. Now, as somebody that has a heart condition, I want that especially. (laughs) You know, it's hereditary, by the way. Um, and it's under control, so I'm not, I'm not going to keel over anytime soon. So that if any of you are, are hoping for that, sorry. <clears throat> Studies show that praying reduces blood pressure by 40%. It lowers the heart rate, improves heart function, triples our chance of recovering from a heart attack or heart surgery. Three, it makes us a happier person. It increases those brain chemicals that, uh, that have to do with creativity, well-being, and joy. It reduces our ego. Now, there's a lot of people that I want and hope that they start praying. <laughs> it reduces our ego and makes us more humble. Praying affects the area of the brain associated with the ego. It makes us more humble, less greedy for material things, and a better person overall. It makes us more optimistic and reduces our risk of developing depression and anxiety. Now, that's tough in our society today. I mean, because we are just bombarded. And, And what this particular study found was that particularly praying within a worshiping community, like what we are doing on Sundays, multiplies the effect of prayers. It multiplies the optimism and, and, the, um, and, and, the, and the reduction of depression and anxiety. There's something about being with the people of faith that, that has a positive impact on our attitude. It improves self-control. Now, and Amy probably is hoping that I pray more and more because when, uh, when I get tired, I get grumpy. Anybody else? Oh, good. Honesty. Okay, truth tellers here. Um, when we get tired, we get grumpy, you know. But what this study found was that those who prayed before a challenging uh, project with the anticipation that they were probably going to be tired and therefore grumpy, uh, found it to be that they were less uh, prone to argue uh, and they were more, they had more self-control and they got their task created, uh, completed more quickly with creativity. Isn't that Interesting. And of course, with all of this, prayer helps us live longer. It not only helps us prevent deadly diseases like heart uh, attacks or diabetes, it helps us heal, recover faster, and increases longevity. Okay, so I want this. So how do we pray? And what I want to do quickly is just go through 
different aspects of prayer. I want to cover circling prayers. If you've been a part of the the, the study, um, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the circle maker, then you've taken a look at some of these. But I also want to look at prayer postures, a prayer formula, and prayer practices. First, circling prayers. Circling prayers defines the prayer. By physically circling a prayer in some kind of physical manner, whether it's with a pencil or whether it's walking around something or, or dynamically doing it within our mind, helps to define the prayer that we are praying. Each time we circle a prayer, we see another aspect or another person that needs to be added to that prayer. Second, it helps us in possessing the prayer. It is like drawing a boundary around ourselves and the prayer and that I am going to pray this prayer until I get an answer from God. It may not be the answer I want. God may lead me in a completely different direction, but I have defined the territory. And third, it gives us perspective. Okay? It gives us perspective. A circle is 360 degrees. And Mark Battison really doesn't go into this, but I think this is so important about circling our prayers. Um, when you circle a prayer, you see it from different angles. Okay? If you were to go around this room and, and take a place at each of the corners, you would see this room differently. And it's the same way with circling a prayer. It is a way of saying, God, help me see this in ways that you see. Help me see the whole picture here. Not just my picture, but the whole picture. And then prayer postures. Physical posture is an important part of prayer. It's like a prayer within a prayer. If the words are what we say, then the posture is how we say it. Okay? It is how we say it. And there's a reason why Scripture prescribes a wide variety of, of postures. Because our posture... It, it sends a message both to our own bodies and our own mind, but also to God, like kneeling, falling prostrate on the floor, laying of hands, the anointing of oil. Uh, physical postures help us in, 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 to better understand what's happening and feel and experience the prayer as well as speaking it. So what are those postures? Kneeling of course, is the most popular and talked about. Um, and kneeling is a form of submission. To kneel before God is to submit before God. Now, um, some, some are physically unable to kneel. Does that mean that, that we, we can't pray? Absolutely not. Sitting can also be a form of, uh, of submission to God. depends on how we're sitting. Are we sitting upright with our feet on the floor, both feet on the floor, with, with our heads bowed in a, in a humble manner before God? Sitting can be a very, a very effective posture when we pray. Um, but it's important when we do sit to relax our bodies, to control our be- breathing, to intentionally imagine the Spirit of God entering into us as we pray. The hands also are 
uh, can, or a posture in prayer. To, to hold your hands down, and this is an old Quaker practice, if you know the Quaker uh, group. To hold your hands down is a releasing of that which separates you from God. It's a releasing of sin. It's releasing of those things that are problematic in your lives. And so as you, as you pray the, those prayers to say, Lord, deliver me from this, or Lord, let, I want to let go of this anxiety, whatever it is, to, to literally hold your hands down is a physical, a, a physical representation of what you're doing. To hold your hands up is to receive. It's to say, Lord, I want to receive your spirit, to receive your blessing, and, and, to, and to, feel, to feel God placing within our hands his holy presence. To have your hands above your head is a sign of giving glory. To giving praise and glory. Now, for some holding their hands above their head, it's like this. You know, we're a little, little bit afraid that maybe somebody might see us and think we're Pentecostal or something. But, um, and those of you who are more Pentecostal are going, hallelujah, brother, just go, go, go. And the others are going, oh, no, where's our pastor going? But um, holding your hands up is a sign of, of, of praise and thanksgiving. Breathing. Breathing is another posture. Um, and the way that I think of breathing is to literally, in my prayer, to breathe as if I'm breathing from my feet to the top of my head. That as I pull the air in, that I'm feeling it with my whole body. As I breathe it out, I'm feeling it with my whole body. And the posture is to imagine breathing in the Spirit of God. To pull in God's presence. And then to breathe out self. To breathe out the, what is separating us from God and each other. To breathe out that which we need to let go of. So that we can then more, there is more space then to breathe in the Spirit of God. So that's... Those are some postures for, for prayer. Now, what is a formula? Formula for prayer. There's a lot of formulas out there. I mean, there's a lot of people that will tell you there's acronyms and everything else about prayer. When I look at the scriptures, here are the major components of prayer. And it's also been discovered that those who practice this form of prayer that it will literally change the way your brain operates, okay? That's, uh, you know, you're kind of looking at me like, what? But it's true. First is gratitude. You start with gratitude. And it's most helpful if you write these things down so you've got a record of it, and it's, 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 a, it's an accountability. But to write down every day three blessings, those things for which you're thankful. And on the... And then take one of those and write two or three sentences on it. You want to basically relive that blessing from the day before. Now, what, what this kind of gratitude does for us is that it will literally change the way we look at the world. Because if I'm having to recount today what was a blessing yesterday, what am I going to be doing today so that I can write it down tomorrow? I'm going to be paying attention I'm going to be looking for the blessings and the gratitude. I'm going, to, I'm going to be more aware, not of the problems and the negatives, but of the positives. 
And it begins to change the way your brain functions. The second aspect is confession. To write down those things that are creating separation in your relationships and other with God. And then imagine giving these things to God. You know, close your eyes and even picture what you think Jesus might, be, might look like in a peaceful place. And say, Lord, here it is. I'm going to give you this. And sometimes in, in terms of, of, of negative separations, it's tough to look Jesus in the face and say, I want to give this to you. You know, because it's embarrassing. It's shameful. But, the, but here's the deal. Jesus died on the cross for us. He knows who we are, what we are, what we have done. And so to offer it to him for us to admit who we are It cleanses us and makes us even better able to receive the blessings and and the presence of God. The second is intercession. Probably intercession is the most popular and well-known aspect of prayer. That's praying for others, listing out names, okay, situations, praying that God will help me get through this situation. You know, uh, intercessions tend to be more uh, immediate, and so, and it's just a, a listing of, of those prayers, specific persons, issues, hopes, and dreams. But here is the key to this 21-day prayer that changes your life. Be bold. Write them down and circle them. Release them into God's hands. And ask God to guide your thoughts as the day unfolds concerning those persons or situations. And as you write these down and circle each one, ask God for a new way to see this situation, to see this person. Not just, God, will you do this, but God, what do you want me to do as I pray for this? The next aspect is silence. And uh, for many, silence is the last step. I'm going to give you two more possibilities. But silence, I think, is, is an excellent way to both open and close our prayer time. And, and by the way, this can take less than, less than 10 minutes. If, you, know, if you, you can even do it in five minutes, okay? But the, the last step is silence, to set a clock and be silent and still for two minutes. Some may want to do longer as you get used to it, okay? And try to clear your mind of everything. What I, what I do is I use a, a mantra or a phrase that helps me to, uh, to clear my mind. And you may have a scripture that you want to repeat, like, The Lord is my shepherd. Or our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, whatever it is. The ones that I use most frequently is Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, come Lord Jesus, come, come Lord Jesus, come. And I just repeat it over and over again. I just repeat it. I just try to open myself and relax my body to feel the presence of God in that two minutes. Uh, Two other aspects that you can add to this. Uh, One is um, to do a devotion. Just, and I recommend that if you're going to buy a devotional book that it, that it only has one page per day so that you can easily read that one page and just simply ask, Lord, what are you trying to say to me in this? It's part of my prayer time. What are you trying to say to me as I read this, as I read the Scripture, 
So read the words of the author. And then the final, and, and I find this to be a, a really neat practice, is to sit in silence until God gives me a name or a situation that I need to address. I mean, and not move until you get that name. Um, and I, when I first started doing this, and I've kind of developed some of this over the years, but this was one of the first things that I developed, was really listening and waiting for God to, to show me someone. Um, this was several, several years ago, and I, was, I got to the end of the prayer, and I was quietly waiting, and this name came to me, Letha. I thought, God, you know, what, you know what's, the, what's the deal? I mean, you're talking about young woman, very happy, you know, her kids and my kids played together. And so I thought, well, I shouldn't ignore this. So I went by her house. I knocked on the door. And she answered the door, and she was crying. And she said to me, how did you know? And I said, I don't know anything. You were a part of my prayer time this morning, and so I'm here. And she said, my mother just died. I got the word early this morning. Now, you can say what you want to, but that prayer led me to go to that house and to pray with that family and to be with them through a very, very difficult time. Gratitude, confession, intercession, silence, devotion, and waiting for what God has for us. Studies again have shown that this type of prayer, if prayed for 21 days, will change the way our brain functions, our nervous system reacts to stress, it expands productivity, reduces burnout, increases creativity, and will deepen relationships. 21 days ago, I challenged this congregation while we were preaching these these sermons to pray bold prayers, to ask God, you know, God, I've got a big dream here I want to offer to you. And I, I would now challenge you to continue that, but for the next 21 days, use this, the posture and the practice to see what, how God can change your life. See, I think that if we could turn this into a movement, that it could change our nation. Can you imagine what it would look like instead of being negative all the time? We could see the positive and, and the God work that is among us. Other practices of prayer that have to be used carefully because of particular health issues. Uh, fasting. Uh, fasting is, is good because our stomachs tend to remind us <laughs> that we're focused on something. And so every time we feel that hunger pain, we know that, that God is touching us. Prayer groups. Uh, prayer groups are good to be a part of because you can learn from others and exchange ideas and pray for each other. A prayer partner is uh, someone that can hold us accountable and we know that we are praying for each other. The laying on of hands is a physical uh, indication that I'm praying for someone, particularly if it's a group praying for one person and the laying on of hands. Anointing of oil is also a physical, particularly on the forehead, is a physical act. And that oil stays there as a reminder of the person who has been prayed over. And 
<clears throat> and so, and there are other, other practices, but those are probably the most often mentioned in the scriptures. Now remember this as we close. Too often we approach prayer in an ASAP fashion. We want God to answer our prayers as soon as possible. We need a paradigm shift. We need to be willing to pray for as long as it takes. To pray that it will... <clears throat> to pray in such a way that the answer to that prayer gives only God the glory. To pray the biggest prayers that we possibly can so that we can only say the only way that happened was that God was in it. God was truly in my life. And remember also this, that very rarely does our first prayer request hit the bullseye of God's goodness. Prayer is shaped by God. Just as Honey, if you remember the story of Honey, he prayed for rain. He, had to sh- he was shaping that prayer. The first prayer was just a light rain. And then he said, no, Lord, not that. And then it was a heavy rain. And then he said, no, Lord, not that. The rain of your favor, blessing, and graciousness. He grew a circle within a circle within a circle. As we close, I want to provide for you a prayer from the movie called War Room and invite you to make this prayer our prayer as we look to the future. You've done it again, Lord. You've done it again. You are good and you are mighty and you are merciful. And you keep taking care of me when I don't deserve it. Praise you, Jesus. You are Lord. Give me another one, Lord. Guide me to who you want me to help. Raise up more that will call upon your name. Raise up those that love you and seek you and trust you. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up. Lord, we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel. We need an army of believers, Lord, that hate to be lukewarm and will stand on your word above all else. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up. I pray for unity among those that love you. I pray that you open their eyes so that they can see your truth, Lord. I pray for your hand of protection and guidance. Raise up a generation, Lord, that will take light into this world. That will not compromise when under pressure. That will not cower, Lord, when others fall away. Raise them up, Lord, that they will proclaim that there is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Raise up warriors, Lord, who will fight on their knees, who will worship you with their whole hearts, Lord. Lord, call us to battle that we may proclaim you King of kings and Lord of lords. 
I pray these things with all my heart. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.